0: Hello, listeners.
1: Oh, man, that's a nice husky, sick voice.
0: It is. You're going to gonna you're gonna hear how we edit this show, because my voice is going to sound mm. noticeably different in certain parts. Last week, we had our first caller, and now it has come to this, our first correction.
1: I would call it an omission, actually.
0: And it's from someone you'll hear more from later on in the show.
2: Hi, my name is Allie Uh I will eventually be a guest on your show, or am currently. I don't know how you guys are uh, making this timeline happen. Anyway, I'm calling in regards to Season 1, Episode 4, Why, Judy, Why? In which, at the very beginning, punk rock comes up, uh, specifically punk rock in West Michigan, specifically punk rock in the. Michigan and Josh tries to defend himself uh, by saying that there's some club that I don't even remember existing being there but what I thought he was gonna finish the sentences was wait but we had Iggy Pop Uh, he was born as Jim Osterberg in Muskegon Michigan and is very punk rock I hope that uh, you have some sort of correction Uh, also I'll see you later on in this episode with my interview Uh, I uh, buy Uptown Girls and innocent Mans. Okay, see you later, bye.
0: Careless Talk, that's what you heard about us, the Billy Joel Song by Song podcast that takes you from the high to the low to the end of the show.
1: For the rest of my life.
0: I'm your host, Josh Burdon with me as always,
1: Corinne Keener.
0: And today we're talking about the fifth track from Cold Spring Harbor, Falling of the Rain. Uh, That's what you could hear in an iTunes preview if you went to purchase a song or
1: get a million chimpanzees, give each one a piano. One of them will eventually play this song. From what I understand, that's how statistics work.
0: Or if you don't have the time for that, you can just buy the song on iTunes.
1: Google Play. Look it up on YouTube.
0: Yeah, I mean, we prefer you buy it.
1: Yes, definitely buy
0: it. Listen to the song. Come back. We'll be here.
1: We will be here.
0: Get knowledgeable about what we're talking about. Otherwise, you'll be like, who is Billy Joel? I don't know what this is about. My grandma linked me to this. Which, by the way, if your grandma linked you to this, you have a tech-savvy grandma. Also,
1: can we talk to her?
0: Yeah, we would love to talk to her.
1: Okay, so this song is even more frantic than the other ones that I have called frantic. There's a lot of imagery in this song. Yes. That is, um, I want to call it silly because I in the case of like billy joel doing it it is kind of silly so uh specifically misty satin dreams oh yeah uh high upon a hill a boy painting nature scenes a real
0: thomas kincaid type
1: oh yes well thomas kincaid painted houses he's the painter of light but i'd like to think this is how thomas kincaid got started yeah um this
0: is a deaf thomas kincaid who could not hear the falling of the rain
1: sure and and then you know there's a woman walking through a wooded glade. It's uh, it is a little bit silly.
0: It is it's it's a bit fantastical. Yes, but at the same time the sentiment's kind of nice.
1: Is it? A little bit. I think he misses the mark.
0: Yeah, a little bit. A yeah. little bit. It it seems a little forced.
1: I've looked at the the videos, um, the one video of him at like that New Yorker event where <laughs> he's playing the song. Well, somebody asks him to play it, and he pulls it up, and he's like. I've never played this song. Like, he has not played this song in a million years. No. And he, you can tell, like, his contempt and embarrassment at, like, having to play it. He, like, makes fun of it the whole time. and
0: He's a good sport, though. It's good that he, he does is. play the song.
1: I don't think he's being, like, grumpy about it. I just think that he also knows how silly this song right. is.
0: Right. If you take out the recording and just look at the song, the lyrics, the melody, the chords, I think it's a pretty good song. I could I could hear somebody doing this now. It wouldn't be, like, a big hit. But I could hear it, you know, like showing up in a TV show being one of those like kind of thesis statement songs for the episode. Like if it was like a Scrubs type TV show, you know, time passing and enjoying it while it lasts.
1: I can like, uh, cannot hear the falling of the rain. Like all of that's okay. But there's, there's stuff in there that's, that just like takes it up. Like that's like Tolkienizing it.
0: Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Like total, like J.R.
1: Yes. (laughs) How so? Just the wooded glades. Like, it yeah, okay, literally gotcha. sounds like fairies. Yeah. Like, it It seems like he's steps away from, from writing a song about woodland nymphs. Yeah.
0: No, I think the narrator in this song, you know who the narrator is? This uh, is Bilbo this, Baggins. Well, no, this is... Gimli. We thought... I've
1: never actually read Lord of the Rings or seen the movies.
0: We thought in Everybody Loves You Now that the Staten Island Ferry was actually a thing that takes people in cars <laughs> across... To Staten Island? Okay, okay. No, the Staten Island fairy is a magical woodland creature that is narrating the song right yeah, now. Yeah, that's right. Hey, I'm the Staten Island fairy. There's, there's a boy there who's painting, but he doesn't see the passage of time. <laughs> oh, what, you thought I'd be wearing a tutu? Huh? You thought that you thought that all fairies wear tutus? That's, that's pretty racist. <laughs> it's pretty speciesist. Magical yeah, I'm species, to think is just of, is that what? Well, magical... you, uh, you, you from Slytherin. I can't remember which song I heard first, but I know that I got this album right around the same time. I think my freshman year of high school, which coincidentally, either a little before or a little after, somebody at like our big crazy three night talent show thing that we did uh, for our choir program.
1: Pop goes the weasels.
0: Yes, pop goes the weasels. That is almost the name. Somebody played this song. And I immediately, first time I heard this song went, or vice versa, went, oh, this reminds me of that other song.
1: Okay, so you actually thought of Falling in the Rain when you heard this song?
0: I can't remember which order, but immediately, like, whichever was the second song, I went, oh, this reminds me so much. Like, me as a 15-year-old kid, this reminds me so much of the other song. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That was Circle Game by Joni Mitchell, which is off her album Circle Game, which came out in 1968. I wasn't able to find any, like, historical proof in some... Skimming that Billy Joel might have crossed paths, at least as an audience member with Joni Mitchell. But I think it's very plausible that he could have heard this song.
1: Well, yeah. And also, there is something that he's doing there that's drawing on this uh, genre of what I will call twee music. Twee gets a pretty bad rap, partially because there are negative connotations in its definition, which is excessively or affectedly quaint pretty, or sentimental. Some dictionaries even call it cloying. Cloying? Cloying.
0: Like, what's the definition of cloying?
1: Cloying means uh, something that's like sickly sweet and like hangs around on you. Generally speaking, uh, it's um, in relation to scents. Okay. But, you know, like it can translate to to different feelings. It's like an earworm for
0: for like the other senses. Yeah. Yeah, Like a a scent or feeling gets stuck in your head. Yeah. Yeah,
1: but it's also... Like, sickly sweet is yeah. is definitely part of that definition. And I think that's unfair. But the word twee itself originated from the way that children say sweet, which to me makes it adorable and wonderful and the purest thing that has ever existed. <laughs> but to other people, this apparently means that twee things are annoying and those people have no souls. The word also has no results on thesaurus.com, which... To me, as an English literature major, is an impossible disappointment and huge oversight. And there's this disconnect between the words that I want to use to describe songs like this, uh, speaking of the falling of the rain circle game. Stuff by Cat Stevens, which I think we will be referencing.
0: If I could ever lose my hands, lose my plow, or lose my land. If I. That's a guy singing about the dream of Workman's Comp. It is.
1: It is. It's wonderful. Um, But like the sweetest dream
0: of Workman's Comp. Oh, yeah. I have that same dream some days.
1: (laughs) So there's a disconnect between the words that I want to use to describe songs and the way that I actually feel about them. Twee has become a judgment, but it's also the best thing I can think of. Uh so these songs kind of have this fantasy laden sentimentality about them. It's the way that adults write children's books, and it's it's how we talk about love and peace and goodness alone. Uh Misty Satin Dreams brings Joni's Painted Ponies, Cat Stevens Moon Shadows, and Puff the Magic Dragon to my mind. So my intention here is not to deride or infantilize Joni Mitchell or Cat Stevens or Pete Seeger or Carole King when I call their music twee. This is not me complaining about Zoe Deschanel. This is merely a failing of the English language. And by the way, I can also be twee as fuck. I own a needlepoint clock. She does. I am the steward of my grandmother's collection of glass-nesting hen candy dishes. I sometimes cry when I see really cute things. I am currently wearing a powder blue skirt with a cat print, and the cat's got like really sad eyes all over it. And I also have a wall of cat paintings.
0: Link in the show notes.
1: So when I say twee, it's not to be mean.
0: This is OG twee. This is like I, this is like the original twee.
1: I yeah, think. and before I before it became
0: a style, like a film genre, or you know,
1: I guess maybe people would make the argument that these. Uh, these songs are like trying and like reaching, mm. uh, like in the definition they call it eff- affected. Like they're putting it on, like they're putting on the sweetness. Right.
0: Well, I mean they're written. But I don't
1: by... necessarily think that has to be the case. You know, these
0: are written by adults that grew up with fairy tales and nursery rhymes, so they're gonna. Come with that baggage of oh, I'm trying to recreate that feeling of of a fable of a story with a lesson or things from childhood, you know it just it just comes with that baggage,
1: yeah, and I don't see why that needs to be bad, yeah, so this isn't like I said, this isn't me like making judgments about it. I will however, say that I do kind of think that the way Billy Joel is writing it is affected
0: it's a little it's a little disingenuous,
1: he's putting it on a bit
0: a little bit, thinking about the way he does his other songs there's an old manness to him of looking back in his life or feeling like, oh, I don't have enough time sure. or, you know.
1: I also think that part of the reason it could feel that way is just that this is not Billy Joel.
0: Yeah, no, he is definitely, this song he's going a Billy for Joel a style.
1: And Billy Joel also says in the last five years or whatever that this is not Billy Joel.
0: Yeah, yeah, this is, this is... uh,
1: <laughs> Which isn't to say that he doesn't respect that uh, tradition of music, but... It's just not him.
0: This is the pilot episode of Billy Joel. Right. If you haven't been paying attention the last couple of episodes, since we're talking about Joni Mitchell, what better way to do that than by bringing in somebody who can speak more personally about that influence? We recently sat down in studio. In
1: kitchen, you mean?
0: In studio with a fan and friend of the show, and, you know, good friend in life, Ali Galletto, to talk about Joni Mitchell songwriting and, of course, The Falling of the Rain. Allie is a singer-songwriter based in the Detroit area. We grew up together as songwriting buds. She is also a Marxists alum, writing airtight, well-crafted songs. And here's a clip from the song My Man from her EP, Some Kind of Heaven. Ali Gaeto, welcome to Careless Talk. Hey, thanks, Josh. You, in your music, uh, I think, get compared to Joni Mitchell sometimes. People people look at you and say, oh, we've got a young Joni Mitchell on our hands.
3: Yeah, uh, I often, when people ask me what music do I sound like, I ask them, what female singer-songwriter do you listen to the most? That's going to be your answer, Um, which is maybe a little unfair to people. But I think I get compared to Joni Mitchell in some ways fairly, in some ways not very fair to Joni.
0: (laughs) I think it's a fairly apt comparison. Uh, you know, Joni was uh, unafraid to use her her head voice, and I think that's definitely in your music that's something that, that comes across mm-hmm. as, as, you know, perhaps being an influence. But uh, what, aside from the music, you know, what do you, uh, are you like a big Joni Mitchell follower? Can you recite the book of Joni Mitchell? Or are you just kind of like, I like her and she's pretty good?
3: Yeah, I'm somewhere in between those things. I think there are a few songs that I hold really near and dear to my heart. And then The rest of her catalog is so expansive that it's sort of intimidating to me that I feel like I need to take a Joni Mitchell semester long, like senior level college course um, to really fully understand what she's doing. Um, I was thinking the other day, one of the first Joni Mitchell albums I ever heard was actually Mingus. Like, I think that was the first album I listened to from beginning to end, which is just sort of strange. Where does that Um, fall in her uh, discography? It's sort of... I actually don't... See, this is where I'm not going to know Joni's stuff. But it's like... I mean, she obviously is doing it with Charles Mingus. So it's it's later on. And it's much more harmonically complex. And just a lot more things are going on than just simple folk songs. So I think, too, that uh, is something I love about her. That she was so unafraid to like... Oh, yeah. Charles Mingus. Let's do this.
0: (laughs) What do you... uh, And, you know, now, please speak for all female songwriters.
3: Oh, that's great. My favorite (laughs) thing to do is to speak for all women. (laughs) How do you balance work and life
0: at the time you got uh the Beatles going around you got Mm. Bob Dylan going around all dudes you know so you know I guess looking at songwriting as a whole what do you kind of take from at large the impact of Joni Mitchell on on songwriting
3: yeah I think I mean I think she's influential on on all genders obviously we're here talking about Billy Joel taking things from her too I think she used such beautiful poetic language um in a way that still felt very fresh and new um she was making references to kind of technology that was coming along she had that huge streak of environmentalism you know paved paradise put in a parking lot but then she also has a whole album basically uh denouncing environmental decay and human pollution and stuff so she was really taking these fresh ideas and important like active ideas and uh taking that old school folk style and making it feel very relevant. And I think that really helped move along the art form.
0: So you mentioned lyrics. I think that's something that stood out to me in circle game was the way that she says, uh, then the child moved 10 times around the season. Mm -hmm. Like that is the most fantastical way that you could say the kid aged a decade.
3: I'm trying to think of more fantastical ways and I just can't come up with anything
1: (laughs) or comparing like life to a carousel. Yeah. Yeah
3: yeah thinking about um Joni's phrasing actually I was listening to a few of her other songs to like kind of prep myself to talk about Joni Mitchell and I realized that this song is one of the slowest melodies and sort of slowest dictioned things I guess uh that I know of hers like so many of her other melodies move so quickly and the words come at you so rapidly and even if the the music itself is moving slowly the way she subdivides notes with her syllables is just so quick uh That it's really funny that it's getting compared to this Billy Joel song that is, like, so fast it makes me anxious.
0: How do you characterize this song? Uh,
3: I think that it's like if Joni Mitchell snorted a whole bunch of cocaine and then wrote a piano song. I really (laughs) am sticking to that assessment. Um, I think it's a pretty apt assessment. Yeah. I just listening to that piano part and then me just sort of like sitting at home moving my hands trying to figure out how he's doing it and I was just about to have like a very small heart attack but I also think and I'm you know not Billy Joel or famous or whatever but I just think he should have slowed it down a little bit. I really think he could have pulled back the reins on it that It does one.
0: lose <laughs> a little bit of the uh, fairy taleness with it being so incredibly fast. Yeah. I think just, you know, not even, it doesn't need to be the speed of, of Circle Game, but it is just, it is flying. It is raining hard. How yeah, much of it fast. was
1: corrected?
0: That's that's the odd thing. Because uh, it's it,
1: not like he's ever re-recorded this song.
0: So. Right. Um, actually, I have. Um, <gasps> Here's Billy Joel playing this on WMMR. This is actually available on iTunes, so you could buy this live version.
3: Nope. <laughs> <laughs> no, this sounds the same. Yeah, why does he want to be this fast? Yeah, it's... <laughs> Take a breath, man.
0: <laughs> yeah, so yeah, even if, even if there was a little bit of variance in the recording, like it is intended to be just a crazy pattern.
3: And it's, it's, so it's kind of funny because Joni is doing this, yeah, we're on the circle of life and here we are and the seasons are changing. And Billy Joel is like, oh, we're all dying and like going on a terrible roller coaster to our deaths and it's so fast. Ah. Can't you hear that the
0: rain is coming <laughs> yeah. we're all done for? It's just, it
3: makes me feel very concerned.
0: <laughs> Joni Mitchell is just saying like, hey, time is going round and round and let's all enjoy the ride. And Billy Joel has got a gun to your head saying, yeah. You better enjoy this time while it lasts. <laughs> Corinne was talking about how the song is a bit twee. And maybe not necessarily in the Wes Anderson sense of the word, but you think that, how do you feel about this song and even, you know, Joni Mitchell being a bit twee?
3: I think she can be a bit magical realism if we're gonna get into like
1: book talk. That um, might be a good, uh, a better definition than what i'm going with
3: yeah because i think she brings about these like she she evokes these worlds where she's talking about real things and real emotions and obviously real events from her life but then she um sort of has this watercolor brush in which she moves stuff around just enough so that it feels mystical a little bit um or her images that she uses are so full of like the natural world or these poetic lines that um it
1: becomes just slightly north of reality somehow okay yeah because yeah, there's like uh like i've i've mentioned i think i don't know if i've mentioned it in recording but when you know he's talking about the forest glade and all of that business it is a little bit like sci- like fantasy like mm-hmm. like actual yeah fantasy fantasy like he is
0: really trying to set the scene of right. what like is robert happening
1: like robert jordan fantasy <laughs> you've missed Who, us with what is what, uh, like uh you know elves and i think I, I think i might have mentioned middle earth once so wait yeah, yeah when
3: right. uh was led zeppelin writing about middle earth is this is he this is 1971 okay I don't know. I don't know when
0: Led I Zeppelin.
1: I didn't. I didn't even know so, Led Zeppelin.
0: Yeah.
3: Did
1: Middle Earth. It, stuff. Was it
3: Led Zeppelin? Who did Stairway to
1: Heaven?
0: That's that's Led Zeppelin, right?
1: Oh God, we're really bad musicians. Yeah, I
0: know we are. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we went to music school and everything. Yeah, like we, modern music. Please school. take my
3: degree back, but really. Please. But speaking of music
0: school, <laughs> uh, something that caught my ear here is I can't. I'm trying to figure out: is this is this an AABA song or is this a verse chorus song? Because that. What is the bridge? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so all of our all of our verses end with, but you can't stop the falling of the rain, or can't hear the falling of mm-hmm. the rain. Some sort of variation on that, and the bridge is, um, will it always be the same as you recall? Mm-hmm. It's it always touch you when the rain begins to fall? And it's always the same. It's always yeah. the same lyrical content. So it's it's a weird, almost hybrid form. I-
3: I would say it's just A A B A B A B A. you know that kind of thing where it, it is an A A B A song. He just goes through the form a couple more times than we're used to.
0: Yeah, and the bridge. Yeah, it's a weird. It's a weird bridge.
3: Find I, me a not weird bridge, anyway.
0: I think there are great bridges. <laughs> I'm joking. Bridges are some of the best parts of A B A songs. They're the, they're the contrary. Yeah. They're the self-doubt or whatever.
3: Yeah, that's very true. Uh,
0: harmonically, I noticed something interesting about the song is that um, we did a bit of film scoring classes oh. in school yeah. and I feel like something that came up was, you know, if you want to do something fantastical, you want to use the the I can never say it correctly, I, I'm always doubting, the Lydian Low-O-Lydian. or Lydian mode? Lydian Lydian, Lydian. Yeah. Lydian. Lydian. Yeah. like Lydia, like the name uh,
1: down, you crazy child. Okay,
0: so the keyboard did not record the first time we did this, so here's the quick abridged version. Interesting, harmonically, the song is an F first chord is F, then we go right away to a G major, which is not in the chord at all. Not that we're in the Lydian mode, but that G major gives us the raised 4 that you'd get in the Lydian mode, which is often used for kind of mystical fantasy, childhood Rugrats music. The way that it moves around harmonically is just really interesting, especially this flat 7 here, which is an E flat. Which is in the land of Missy Satin Dreams. But then eventually, the house of the boy who painted nature scenes. And we get a C major, which doesn't have an E flat. It has an E natural. So we're just moving around this harmonic center all the time. And we just get some really nice bass laying.
3: I don't have other good things to say about modes. (laughs) I do have one good thing to say about modes. If I can make my mode joke. Oh, make your mode joke? Oh, yeah, Uh, sorry. So when we were... to remember our modes we would say i don't play loud music at lunch and you know a mnemonic device but i found recently that at wayne state university they say uh oh my gosh i did pot one day after lunch something like that but it's like also silly because who does pot (laughs)
0: uh huh yeah i did pot Wait, so wait, Ionian, Dorian, Phrygian.
3: Oh, wait, it was like, I did pot last Monday after lunch.
0: Ah, there we go. Okay. Yeah.
3: But like, I just think it's really funny imagining like really, uh, like our music instructors, the people we had saying, I did pot last Monday.
0: <laughs> if we have any Wayne State professors listening, if you want to comment on how modes are used as a m- m- mnemonic teaching device, we'd love to hear about it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, you know, the the theme of this, season or series if we're being british is uh is it's okay to borrow Mm -hmm. so long as you do it well as a songwriter when when have you borrowed
3: oh uh when have any of us not borrowed things is a a better question i think so much of writing songs at least in the beginning of everyone's writing life is you're just learning a cover of someone else's and you you realize oh like that sounds really cool when i move from g to e flat let me just do that a couple times and then maybe i come up with the third chord that's different and then come up with my own melody and my own lyrics i think so much of songwriting is just listening to chord combinations that other people have made and then maybe rearranging them a little bit or maybe just playing them at a different pace and then writing your own melody on top
1: yeah and i mean even in in writing and in photography and i would assume other visual arts the thing is you're you should constantly be looking at other people's work and there's not really a way for that to not influence your work in some way, whether you go like opposite from what it was you were looking at, or you, you know, borrow themes or uses of, of different visual elements or whatever it happens to be.
0: I feel like it's interesting where with music uh, and probably even more so in comedy, obviously, uh, being derivative is like a cardinal sin you i feel be like
3: the right balance of derivative so i've met i've met people who are i'm gonna do a little stereotyping here generally late teens early 20s men who are songwriting and they like to say things like i don't really have any influences i'm brand new and i don't whatever they sound like they sound kind of like that uh <laughs> and like i just I always sort of look at them, I'm like, are you completely, do you live in a total bubble and you've created music from scratch alone with string? Like, what do, you, what do you think is happening here? So you can't be too derivative. You can't just rip people straight off. And I think it becomes apparent, too, and it is something that's too affected. Like, I think for a while, I sang a lot like Regina Specter because I listened to a lot of Regina Specter, but then I realized that that wasn't great because I don't want to be her. I just like her. Um, so you can't be too much like someone but you also have to be like other people so. and in the same
0: way an idea that was kind of put into our heads in school was you know kind of songwriting as the batting average of like yeah 75 percent of your stuff is going to suck mm-hmm. and it's going to sound really derivative and it should otherwise you'll never write the 25 percent that's that's good yeah uh, as a songwriter what's your overall I'll, uh just take on on the effort of this song
3: on the effort he's trying quite a lot to make an interesting piano part and boy did he achieve it um but i think to some extent at the expense of the song as a whole because um, i didn't even really focus on the lyrics or the melody or anything the first time i listened through this i was just total shock and awe that he was playing the piano so fast which if you want to be known for being a virtuosic piano player or playing really fast that's great but i was ju- i just kind of assumed by the sound of it that these were throwaway lyrics and kind of a throwaway singing part because he just wanted to be like look at how fast I can play boy am i playing fast <laughs> um and the the lyrics are kind of strange
0: especially yeah the bridge lyrics are very throwaway
3: yeah do you think that the refrain like the way that the like falling of the rain the way that melody kind of Falls down is beautiful and great, but I feel like he could have done so much more work in each little pocket of the song. Other than
0: that, to yeah, it fully formed, and especially the way that it plays with the the piano part, I think mm-hmm. that works really well. It is kind of like uh rain on a tin roof, a little bit, mm-hmm. uh, and it does it brings in some nice images, but yeah, coming from him a little bit, i just it just feels a little disingenuous. This
1: one again, yeah, I don't know if it was this episode that we were talking about, but this isn't a like the piano is billy joel but the rest of the song is not billy yeah. it's not a billy joel song i don't think
0: this is a staten island fairy song Do you have the embarrassing song moment?
3: Oh. Oh, God. Uh, very recently, my mom found a lot of those songs and some other ones on a CD and put them on in the car while I was in the car and I wanted to die. <laughs> so, yes. Yes, I have those moments.
0: Well, it's, yeah, because it's, it's worse than a home video because you chose to make them. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
3: And they're recorded and those lyrics are bad and they'll be out there forever. And I put them on the internet at some point, I think. And people have them who, I please delete them. This is my plea to the world while well, I have this platform. Delete my old songs. Anything before 2010. you have
0: any advice for young, budding songwriters?
3: Uh, <laughs> save your money <laughs> and buy a, a publicist. That's what I, not a whole publicist person. Buy publicist services.
0: Yeah, instead no. of spending money on college.
3: <laughs> yeah just get yourself spend publicist. it on a
0: team no yeah, i think no.
3: also read a lot that's what helped me get good at writing songs i think is read that fiction or read, read about writing fiction read about writing read all the words um i think lyrics for a long time came really easily to me because i was just reading words a lot and then writing in a journal a lot and i think my brain was just in the zone of words all the time mm-hmm. which made that portion of songwriting much easier
0: feel about the music part now
3: getting getting older and working a full-time job and having a busy schedule makes it harder to sit down and write and i think this is the advice that i haven't given younger songwriters because i'm terrible at taking it myself but i need to carve out a time every day to sit at the piano and write which is so difficult to do even though it shouldn't be but that's really the only way you can get any work done is by making it a habit
0: ellie gaeta thank you so much for coming on to careless talk
3: thanks ellie <laughs> thanks josh and corinne i had a great
1: time that's it. You've reached the end of another episode of Careless Talk.
0: Thanks again to Allie Gaietto for coming on the show. You can find her and her music at AllieG.com. That's dot com. Link to that in the show notes. Also in the show notes is a link to a band that she's in, the Junk Food Junkies, a band all about junk food, hot and ready's, and ice cream trucks. And they're just fun. So check them out, too.
1: Do you have a fun Billy Joel fact or gripe? Continue the conversation and give us a call at 616-929-0313. Or you can send us an email or voice memo from your smartphone to Carelesstalkpodcast at gmail.com.
0: And hey, you should also head over to iTunes and leave us a review. We're told by other podcasts that we listen to that this helps the show.
1: Also, they feel really nice to read.
0: Oh, hey, by the way, we thanked some new listeners last week. We just want to give a little thanks to our friends who have been supporting the show. And, you know, like, leaving nice comments on And iTunes. writing
1: us emails.
0: And writing us emails.
1: We appreciate it.
0: Thank you, guys. So we'll have Ali Galletto take us out.
1: Sure.
3: To all those uptown girls and innocent mans out there, thanks for listening. Do Me gusta Duolingo. <laughs> Uh, ah, and... Hay un problema con
0: el <laughs> ordenador servido de los iPads. <laughs> Mañana. Uh, sí. <sì.
3: laughs>